Welcome to the Living Word Assemblies of God Toronto podcast. As the Bible says in Hebrews 4.12, the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Yes, it is the complete human experience. So relax and re-energize yourself with this powerful word. Turn with me to First Thessalonians chapter three. Let's read it. Read First Thessalonians chapter three, and then we'll we'll spend some few minutes to thank God on some few dimensions, and then we'll continue. Amen. Yeah. Therefore, when we could no longer endure it, we thought it good to be left in Athens alone, and sent Timothy and our brother, sent Timothy and our brother, a minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith. Establish you and encourage you concerning your faith. The key is your faith. I pray that God will encourage you and strengthen you and establish you in your faith. Nothing shall change you. Now, remember the context we are reading from is Thessalonians. Okay? So the church in Thessalonica was begun by Paul and his team. They went there as reported in Acts chapter 17. So when the Paul spent three Sabbaths there, three weeks, and then changes, transformation, people were getting saved, some of the Greeks, some of the Gentiles, but some of the Jews became envious of what was happening. So they organized the people and then they, the Bible says that they put up not an easy route, like there was very serious route in the town. So they had to snake Paul away. So Paul couldn't come there. That's why later on he had to send, you know, Timothy because Timothy was a Greek. So for a Greek to go to that part of the world was a bit easier they also used their brains even the spirit was leading them but it was like we'll just go and then be killed because sometimes Paul will get to a place and say i'm a i'm a hebrew sometimes you get to a place i'm a roman you know like roman Romans using all playing the cars, you know, in truth and in, in the, as the, as it was led by the Spirit, Amen. So Paul says the key thing is for our faith to be established. I pray that your faith will be established. I pray that you'll be encouraged in your faith because you know sometimes you go through things and you wonder whether God is with you or not. So lift up your voice and thank God for your faith. Thank God for your faith in Jesus. Daniel Kupwasi, Ewo Jidie Awo, Odasu Kremu, Ewo Yesu Christomu. Thank Him for that. Thank Him for that in the name of Jesus. Thank Him because it's not easy. Sometimes your friends will laugh at you, people will laugh at you. The challenges, the pain, the struggle that you go through. But thank God for your faith in the name of Jesus. Thank God and thank Him for establishing you in your faith. Continue to ask him and say, God, establish me in my faith. Continue to establish me. Strengthen me. Encourage me in this faith walk. In the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord God, we give you praise. In the name of Jesus. Can I hear amen? Verse 3. 
The Bible says that no one should be shaken by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. Nobody here will be shaken by any affliction. The troubles and the challenges you are going through, it will never shake you. No, it will not take you away from God. Amen? Yeah, even if you slip from the uh, 12th floor, the angels will carry you down. Can I hear amen? Yeah. Yeah, you wake up strengthened and empowered by the grace and by the mercy of God. Can I hear amen? All right, so look at it. That no one, for in fact, we told you before when we were with you that we will suffer tribulations just as it happened and you know. For this reason, when I could no longer endure it, I sent to know your faith. You see the focus of Paul. It wasn't just to know whether the people were making more money or the people were building or buying houses, but it was checking on their faith. Eh? Because that's his goal. That's his target. But none of you shall become a victim of the devil. Can I hear amen? He says, Lest by some means the tempter had tempted you and our labor might be in vain. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and brought us good news of your faith and love and that you always have good remembrance of us, greatly desiring to see us as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, in all our afflictions we and distress, we we were comforted concerning you by your faith. You see, by your faith. That is what should help us, you know, give us joy and peace. Look at it. It says, for now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. For what thanks can we render to God for you? For all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before our God night and day praying exceedingly that we may see your face and perfect what is lacking in your faith you see so all that he's doing all that his apostles are doing is to make sure that these people's faith are established they are they are entrenched in their faith they are still walking in their faith and you have to understand that the church at this particular time was going through tribulations they were going through persecutions they were going through trials they were going through struggles all the things you can think of so that's what paul was saying that look i think the people's faith is at risk we have to work on focus on and god will help us through on this mountain you will never be shaken <laughs> i said on this mountain your faith will never be shaken can i hear amen okay now may Verse, um, verse 11. Now may our God and Father himself. So it's not any other person. Because we are looking at your faith. Yeah? Sometimes God sends angels to strengthen our faith. But this time with what you are going through. Some of you with what you are going through. Yeah? You, you don't need angel. Because when the angels come. You will be content. They can't help you. God the Father himself. 
That's what Paul is saying. Because it has to do with your faith. He says, now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ, this is a mighty contingent, direct our way to you. Show us what we should do. How we should help you be established in your faith. How we should help you in this work of yours. Look at it, it says, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all just as we do to you. Abounding in love for one another because when people are going through struggles and pain that christians or believers and then they come into church you see and then those of us who are in church don't see and appreciate them based on the faith they have but we judge them on the things the worldly people judge them on you discourage them so we have to we have to abound in love so that we will encourage any person who comes here. Amen. Because Can I can I hear amen? Lift up your voice and pray that God will help you abound your love to abound, abound in love towards one another. Pray that the Spirit of God will help us. Holy Spirit, help us. Because in living word, we are here to love. We are here to live. We are here to reach. Lord, Father, don't let the love be something on the wall, something on our papers. May it be in our lives in the name of Jesus. Lord, cause us, oh God, to abound in love towards one another. Love towards one another. Genuine love towards one another. In the name of Jesus, help us, Lord. Lead us, Lord. Guide us. Direct us. Cause us, Lord, to abound. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the precious name of Jesus, to one another, just as we do, Father, to you, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we give you praise and thank you, Lord, for your goodness towards us. Can I hear amen? The last one, verse 13. It says, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and father at the coming of our lord jesus christ with all his sins it's very important that you see our blamelessness and holiness has to be orchestrated by god by our faith in him he does it and this is going to help us all through lift up your voice and thank god for what he's doing in your life for what he's doing because you are holy because you are blameless because in christ you have been forgiven because in christ you have no sin sometimes you yourself think oh you have sin you have no sin in christ you have no sin lift up your voice and thank him and bless him tonight bless him honor him exalt his name magnify his name tonight in the precious name of jesus we give you glory lord we give you all the honor in the name of jesus yes lord mighty god we thank you in the name of jesus in the precious name of jesus we have prayed amen we give glory to the lord he reigns we give glory to the lord he reigns hallelujah he reigns he reigns he reigns oh we give glory to the lord he reigns oh mama 
Hallelujah. Father in heaven, we thank you for tonight. Bless you for bringing us together tonight. We humble ourselves before you and ask a God for insight, for understanding, for guidance. Lord, open our eyes. Lord, teach us to pray. In the name of Jesus, teach us to pray. Pray, O oh God, in a way that Lord will be effective. The Father, pray according to your will. Pray, Father, Lord God, so we can see results. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much. How many of you have been enjoying the fasting so far? You are enjoying the fasting. You, know, you have to come to a place where you enjoy. Because fasting is feasting. You know, it is feasting on the Lord. And feasting on his word. So if you see fasting as you feasting, then you will enjoy it. But if you see it as uh, something else, then you'll be complaining. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, and you do it to... Yeah, it's very interesting because you do it according to your strength. Yeah, somebody said, oh, but pastor, you said I should do it according to my strength. I said, oh, yeah, did I say that? Yeah. No, do it according to your strength. Amen. Oh, we thank God for his goodness. Those of you who have been following, lift up your hand and let me see if tonight is your first night in the service. Lift up your hands. Andy Vic will give you a, Andy Vic, please, do you have copies? Let's give them. Give each person a copy. And then we'll dive in, okay? We give you praise. So if you have your copy already, please take it out because we will need it. Oh, she, she ran can oh nipa a dini hoto amen you know we have when we we began by looking at the fact that any time 
we talk about prayer. Now, the realm that we always look at prayer is, the, or the first thing that comes to our mind is battlefield. Okay. It's warfare. So most of the time we think that prayer is talking to God, which is good, which is right. Okay, Communing with God. But when we look through the scriptures, there are different, there are, there are ways that God has revealed you know, to us of how we can effectively pray. So there are different dimensions of prayer in the word of God. But for most of us, we, we, haven't, we haven't seen it all, or we don't even practice it all, because we don't, and we don't practice it the way we ought to practice. But all these are also are in the scriptures. I, I believe strongly that you know, when we think about prayer and then battlefield comes into our mind it's not wrong it's a good way of fighting against the enemy praying against the devil you know binding the devil putting the devil on the floor stepping on the neck of the devil breaking the devil binding all those and sometimes you know when you you pray and bind and bind and nothing is binding you know you have to pause and ask yourself ah, why am i binding and nothing is binding you see, and then find out if there is something else, you know, you can do. If there's another dimension you can move and take your prayer to. Can I hear amen? So the disciples came to Jesus and then they asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. And when they came to ask him to teach them how to pray, he began by giving them the various dimensions of prayer. So the first one was that Jesus told them that prayer is based on the relationship you have with God as your father. So he said, when you pray, say, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name, thy kingdom come. So God, you come to God as your father. And how many of you know that generally, whoever comes to his father, comes to the father for himself. Okay, maybe some of you, you go to your father and said, okay, Hadassah will go to the father and said, dad, I need money, but I want to give it to Joseph. No, Hadassah will seldom do that. Even though once in a while, she will do it. Because she knows that if Joseph too has Joseph as the father, if Joseph too has need, he will also go to the father. Are you getting the point? Okay, so the story in the Bible reveals to us that, you know, the first dimension of prayer is that you, it, 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 it must be based on your relationship with God you have, you have to see God as your father and go to him with your personal needs. Then Jesus moves on in Luke chapter 11 and tells us, in Luke, you know, the report is in Matthew chapter 6 and then Luke chapter 11. Okay, but in Luke chapter 11, he goes further to tell us, on the same, trying to answer the same question, teach us to pray. He tells us that, you know, which of you, there was a friend who, who got a guest, okay, and then he didn't have any food in the house. So what did he do? He woke up midnight, went to his friend and knocked at the door. Okay, and then the story goes like with a friend whose door he's going to knock, even if he's sleeping, because he's his friend and because he's knocking, he'll wake up and then give it to him. So most of the time, Jesus is telling us, he's telling the disciples that you have to also move beyond this dimension, realize that prayer, you have to come to God, come to God in prayer, seeing him as your friend. Okay, but when you come to God, the Father, who is your Father, but you come to Him in another dimension as a friend, 
you come to him most of the time on behalf of others. So that's where you come as an intercessor. You are interceding for the others, for your friends, for your sisters, for your nation, for your city, for your church. So you come as an intercessor. In Luke chapter 18, verse 1 to 11, Jesus places prayer in another dimension. Okay, he says, there was a judge who lived, and this judge was very wicked. Never feared God or knows God. He doesn't care about human beings. And then there was a widow who had a, who had an, a case. So the widow goes to this judge and then perseveres. And look at what the judge says. The judge says that, look, me, I don't fear God. I don't even care about human beings. But because of this woman's persistence, because she keeps on bothering me, I will hear. And then he goes on to say, look, listen to what this unjust judge is saying. You see, if this unjust judge will even do that, how much more will your father in heaven? Okay, and then he says, your father in heaven will answer you speedily. So Jesus is placing prayer in another dimension for us. So you come to uh, uh, the, that dimension, the dimension of seeing God as a judge. You see, as your judge. You know, not some, most of the time for us, anytime we hear the word judgment, what comes into your mind? Like destruction, punishment, killing, judgment. No, but the, the word judgment is, is going to God for the decision, for the verdict. So that means you, you, you based on the verdict that is given to you, you can act on it. Can I hear amen? How many of you know that whether, if, whether you look at prayer in the dimension of a battlefield or a warfare, because it is God who teaches our hands to war. Are you getting my point? Yeah, whether you look at it that way, or you look at prayer as coming to God as your father, or prayer as coming to God as a judge, or prayer as coming to God as your friend, whatever dimension you are coming to God uh, with, you realize that for every dimension, you, the, the, the protocol is not the same. Are you getting my point? Okay, so now we are building our case on praying, okay, coming to God as a judge. So you are looking at yourself, you are looking at prayer as a judicial setting. So let's come down to the court. You know, if you will go to court, right? You go to court when you have cases, you have issues. Okay, how many of you believe strongly that you can go to court and then start screaming for the judge to hear you? Eh? Screaming. When you go to court, screaming doesn't answer it. It's not screaming. Eh? Even crying. No, at the court. No, when you go and cry at the court, if you are not careful, they will put you out. No, the judge will order, please, please arrest her. You are disturbing the court. When the court sits down, it is not crying. Now sometimes you cry, nothing happens. Eh? And yes, so. Baby, they work with evidence. Anamiwa. Yeah, they work with the facts. They work with what is before them. So when you are going before God as a judge, you don't go crying. But you know, it is not every time that these are dimensions of prayer. 
But what we need to pray for is that we need to trust God. As God is giving us understanding and knowledge and insight, what we need to ask God to help us to do. And you know, one good thing is that the Lord has not left us to speculate. It. He's given us the word of God. He's given us the Holy Spirit to help us. You know, to guide us to know when to use which one. You know, when to appeal to what. You know, sometimes, sometimes in instances where you go to God as a judge, it's when you have, you have done the warfare. What does he You have gone to him as a father. You have gone to him as a friend. And nothing seems to change. Then you change the gear and put it to fifth gear. And then go to him as a judge. But you have to really prepare. So go on your sheet. Those of you who were not here, you, we will leave you to go and read. No, for not coming, you have to go and read it for yourself. Can I hear you, man? For not coming. Because you, you will take us back. Unless when we declare another one, you make sure you come early. Okay, but that's good. So look at, you know, the 10 courts of heaven prayers. The kingdom of God is the citizenship in the kingdom. We looked at that. And then we looked at our responsibilities. That was very powerful. So please pay attention to your responsibilities. Because in the courtroom, because crying doesn't, screaming doesn't, it is character that does, it is faith that does, it is the finished work that God through Christ has done for you. That is what gets the work done. Can I hear amen? Alright, so as we progress, I'm sure we'll touch on some of those. So let's look at the purpose of the court of heaven. So what we are saying is that there are courts in heaven, okay? Where God sits, where God releases decrees. So turn to your page. Are we on the same page? Page, do you have page numbers? Okay, no page numbers. So, as, but you see where I'm reading. Okay, the purpose of the court of heaven. So what is the purpose of the court of heaven? Are you paying attention? Let's follow through. The court of heaven is where justice is meted out. It is where God judges situations in personal lives and in nations and in cities. So God uses it to change destinies of nations, of cities, of churches. Okay? And then he is the judge of the earth. And he issues judgment based on the argument set forth in the court of heaven. Okay, in the court of heaven, justice is determined, mercy is found, and the wrath of God is poured out, and Satan is able to destroy lives or he is or he stopped cold. The court of heaven is where breakthroughs, possibilities come for believers. Court of heaven, that's where the impossible becomes possible. Because once you're able to advance your case and put it before God and get the best lawyer in town. Amen. Yeah, get the best mediator in town. We, we have us, we have a mediator who is Christ the Lord. Can I hear amen? Don't worry. So, let me give you a, a foundation. The issue of justice that comfort are already related to us as individuals. So, yesterday I promised you, let's read some few scriptures. Turn with me to Daniel. So, Daniel chapter 7. Give us, uh, we have uh, the director in there, right, for us. So, Daniel chapter 7. I think we have to study visions, revelations, and dreams, and those, are, those ones will help us understand some of these things very well. So, all of you, all of you, we are taking ourselves, you know, to the court of heaven. So, we want to start dreaming, okay, of what is happening. Because there are things happening in the spiritual realm. Unless God opens your eye, but the good thing is that God opened the eyes of his servants in past, and they wrote them down in scripture for us. So, we will know that these things are real. 
Daniel. Let's begin from verse 1. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head while on his bed. So it's good to dream. Good dreams. Can I hear amen? All right. Then the Bible says, then he wrote down the dream, telling the main facts. So he wrote down the dreams, telling us. In other words, he summarized it. He gave a summary. Okay. He wrote down the facts. So let's see the facts. Daniel spoke saying, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were staring up the great sea. So in heaven, there are four winds. Okay. There are, there are a lot of references that you can get. So let's move on. And four great beasts came up from the sea, each different from the other. So it's talking about the beast. And sometimes we get confused about the beast. Don't get confused. I'm not here to explain that to you. Sometimes when we talk about this one and the beast, your mind goes to the end, the second coming of the Lord. Yeah, he's coming. But with this context, Daniel explained what the beast stood for. Okay, just in chapter 7. But we won't get there tonight. He says, the first was like a lion. So look at it. And had eagle's wings. I watched it. I watched till its wings were plucked out of and it was lifted up from the earth and made to stand on two feet like a man. So picture that in your mind. This is the vision he had. And, and then and a man's heart was given to it. The next one. And suddenly another beast, a second like a bear, it was, it was raised up on one side and had three ribs in its mouth. Ribs in its mouth between its teeth. And they, and they said thus to it, Arise, devour much flesh. So arise and cause destruction. Give us the next one. This is Daniel dreaming. You get the point? Okay. After this I looked and there was another like a leopard, which had on its back four wings of a bird. The beast also had four heads and dominion was given to it. Continue. After this I saw in the night vision. And behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, exceedingly strong. It had huge iron teeth. It was devouring, breaking in pieces, and trampling the residue with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. Let's continue. After I was considering the horns, and if you were the one dreaming this dream, which of the horns would you consider more? Uh, what do you think? The first one, the second one, the third one, or the fourth one? Eh? Which one? Eh? Which one will you which one will you be curious to know more about? Actually, the first one it was clear. The second one was clear. The third one was clear. The fourth one, you realize that even the name wasn't mentioned. It was just a beast. Okay, so the first one wasn't clearly identified. It, if it were you, you Press on and say, oh Lord, what does this one mean? The same thing, that's exactly what Daniel was doing. Okay, so I was considering the horns, and there was another horn, a little one coming up among them, before whom three of the first horns were plucked out by the roots. And there in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking pompous words. So the mouth was bragging. Now, when you study the book of this Daniel, when you combine Daniel, Ezekiel, and Revelation, we talk about the end times. 
there are so many interpretations that people give to this text. Some people think, oh, the ten horns represent the European Union. So, ten, uh, uh, is the European Union, three of them will go away. I haven't gotten there yet. I, I'm not sure. I will break it that way because I'm, I'm just interpreting what Daniel has said. God, Daniel told us what this way in his vision. It was Daniel who saw it and he said, that is it. Why should I go and say European Union? Okay. Some others believe it's European Union. Maybe prophetic eye. Number nine. Look at it, verse nine. I watched till thrones. Now, and this is where it's getting interesting. Eh? I watched till thrones were put in place. So he was having a vision. He watched until thrones were put in place. Okay. And then, and the ancient of days was seated. Ancient of days. This is where we got it from. Ancient of days. Another, as old as you are. Look, are you following me? And then his garment was white as snow. And the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame. It wheels a burning fire. And you see, Ezekiel saw similar. And then, uh, what, uh, Zachariah, you see similar picture. And then you go to Revelation, you see other pictures there. Okay, of this. But we, we are not there. We are in Daniel. Let's stay in Daniel. And then a fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. A thousand, thousand, thousands ministered to him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. Now let's read the rest of the sentence. Ready, go. The court was seated and the books were opened. Now pause. It means that when thrones were established, it means that the court was gathering. So Daniel says, look, the court was seated and the books were open. So there are books. So ask yourself, what does this mean? Then what does the books also mean? Anna, how many of you want to know what the books mean? Yeah, what does the books mean? Anna, Anna, who here? Look, there's court and then there's books. And books are open. So let's go to court. If you go to the physical court, you go to the court. What books do they open? Eh? Yeah, case book. Yeah. Don't we have any lawyers here? Eh, legal, paralegal people. What books do they open? Yeah, the evidences. Yeah, the evidence book. You know, the books that tells. I like it. It's a case book. The evidences. So the books that. That has report of the cases. I don't know The dockets. Yeah. They're all there. Yeah. 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 Witness the positions. I need more legal terms. We, but now we are in court. <laughs> court rise. <laughs> okay. So it means I know there are, there are books there. Okay. So let's look at. Let's, let's trace. What should we trace? I'm just looking at what. Should we trace the courts more or trace the books more and get the books clear of the way and then the court? Because uh, let's, go, let's go forward and look at what Jesus said. Go to Hebrews chapter 10. Give us Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, so uh, let's leave this one. Let's leave this one now, okay? Because Jesus arose and then he goes down and he explains the dream, okay, to us. But Hebrews chapter 10. Let's give us verse 7. Let's see. Okay. 
So, you know the book of Hebrews? The book of Hebrews t- writes about Jesus. Trying the, the writer is trying to prove to us that Jesus is greater than all. He's greater than Moses, greater than the law, greater than the angels, greater than... It was just pro- proving that Jesus' covenant was greater. So, look at what Jesus is telling us now. The books... Look at what Jesus is telling us. He said, then I said, behold, I have come. Jesus is speaking. Because this is, he's talking about, the writer is talking about Jesus. He says, then I said, behold, I have come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do your will, O God. Eh? And what do you think? What is happening? What do you think Jesus is saying? What do you think? What is happening? What do you think Jesus is saying? See, there are, there are books. Eh? And then there is a book. Sometimes when we talk about the books, we think they are all the same things. But Jesus is telling us that you know, before he came into this world, there was a book that was written about, that contained everything that he was supposed to accomplish on this earth. Okay, the book contains the will of God for his life. So, what he's saying is that in the volume of the book, it is written of me to do your will, O God. So, every, so whatever Jesus came and was doing has been written. Okay, so somebody can say that if you are born and there is no book about you, then you don't have any reason to live. Now, some of you are not still getting it. You'll get it after. Should I give you a distinction of the books? Go to Re- uh, Revelations chapter 20. Yeah. And from now on, don't be afraid of the book of Revelation. Because sometimes when we think of the book of Revelation, we think it is uh, only dragons. <laughs> we don't want to. <laughs> okay, Revelations 20. Verse 12. Give us verse 12. Okay, start from 11. I think it's good. Thank you for taking us to 11. Then I saw a great white throne. So you see Revelation, what John is seeing? Another throne. So the moment you hear of throne, what comes into your mind? Court, judgment. Because when the king sits down, he doesn't just sit down. Ah, those of us who come, how many of you come from villages and you, you, you appeared before? You went to the chief's house before, or you appeared. Were you someone? Some of you were very, you were very good. Uh, the chief, when the chief sits on, on his throne, he sits to, you know, judge, settle disputes, settle cases, you know, and, and then whatever they say is final. Okay, in the same way, okay, let me just you look at it this way. Uh, when you get a driving ticket, red, red light. And then, or speeding ticket. Okay, and then you wait and you get your, uh, what about, the, what about the notice they give you to appear before court? Like says, when the summons, when you are going, what goes on in your mind? How many of you have gone to the ticket court before? Hey, we have to discipline all of you. <laughs> Hey, hey, you don't have to be speeding on the road. <laughs> ticket. Some of you, you have been getting more tickets right now. When you go there, the judge even knows you. 
So they just look at you and say, Are you here again? <laughs> if you are not careful, they take your license away from you. Okay, but no, okay, let's be more serious. <laughs> so that the ticket when you are going there, what, what do you have in your mind? What goes on in your uh, 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 what goes on in your mind? All you are either either you are saying, Oh God, I'm praying, God, please help me, let them reduce this for me, or let them for let, let them for let them forgive me, or or, or the police will not appear. <laughs> or the policeman who arrested me will not come. So some of you, you are going and you are praying that the policeman should sleep. <laughs> okay. But at least, when you, go, when you go there, whatever, whether you are happy with the judgment or not, whatever the judge issues out is the final. So you either have to go, and then sometimes when, once the, the judgment is issued, you even thank, thank the judge and go, whether you like it or not. Even though you are, even though you are annoyed, you thank, you thank him and go. Okay. When I was pastoring at Lighthouse, one of my, one of uh, the drivers was driving the church bus. So drove through red light. Uh, we didn't know, but you know Canada. The red light, no, no, there was camera, camera light. And, uh, so when you drive through, we were there and then they sent us the mail. All the drivers were not there. They are traveled. So, pastor, you have to go to the court. <laughs> so, I went to court. And then, uh, the case number. And then, I stood. I said, yes, my lord. I said, what happened? I said, it's the church bus driver. <laughs> I'm the pastor. I don't drive the church bus. But I have to come and represent. He said, okay. So, what happened? Looked at the whole thing. And then said, all right. Because it's a church bus and it's for charity, they won't charge us. So they will pull out. But the charge was $120. We're supposed to pay $120. So this is what the judge said. And I'm quoting the judge. Go and let the driver who drove through the red light pay the money to the church. So, so he will learn not to drive through red light. Because if you had, if you had at that time, if you had passengers and so on and so forth on board, you know, what would have happened? You get my point? If he had got into an accident. So, he wrote it up. And once he said, I said, yeah, thanks, my Lord. And I just walked out of the court. And I, yeah. So, so whatever, the, even though when I, came, when I came, I told the driver, because I knew the driver who drove, I told him, I said, look, this is what they just said. So, you, I, I, you know, and this is, this is the key. This is the key. This is the key. You know, sometimes we wonder, why is it that Jesus has died for us. He's paid for the price. He's shed his blood. He's done everything to us. And yet we are not seeing it in our lives. Are you getting the point? Yeah. You know, the judge has issued the judgment. But you realize that in the course of law, the enforcement, the execution of the judgment, most of the time there are no agencies to do it. Like divorce court. And when the judge tells you you are divorced, the two of you have to go and enforce it. Okay, wait. We'll come to understand it as we build on. You know. So, whatever judgment is being issued, if you are waiting for the policeman to come to enforce it, the policeman will come and tell you that no, that's not our job. Are you getting so you have to either look for other agencies, different agencies to help you enforce. Either um, people will come and eject the man from the house or whatever, if it's a divorce case or whatever it is. Are you getting the point? All right. So the same way, 
Those of us who are children of God, God has given us the power because the judgment has been decreed, it's been issued. So we have to take whatever decision that God has made, that the judge has made, and make sure that we live by it. You, you, are you understanding it? Okay, don't worry, we'll be fine. Where are we? Uh, Revelation chapter 20. Oh, sorry, Nana. Okay, then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. Verse 12. And I saw, okay, let's all read this. I think you like this. So let's read it. Ready, go. So you, you won't sleep on me, okay? Ready, go, read. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. Now, I want you to pause. Because I haven't really paid attention. It's most of the time I read this and I think about, I end it, I stop at the Father. No, it is at the judgment seat. And then sometimes we think about it, say, it is, it is the works that we have done. No, but what he's saying, what he's saying here, let's look at it. This is English language. Uh, it's not even Greek. No, are you getting, so let's ask questions around it. It's tell, here, it is telling us that there are two different kinds of books. Are you getting the point? There is the books. Remember Daniel. Remember Jesus. So it means that for every individual, there is a book that has been written concerning. There are things you are supposed to do. No, many, many years ago, I, I didn't even have an idea about this, but I started praying a certain prayer because I was looking at, you know, God giving birth to us and having a purpose for our life because there's nobody who is on this earth without reason. So I started praying a particular prayer. I said, God, please, I am on this earth. Don't let me do anything that you didn't create me to do. Don't. Because sometimes you can be in this world and do things that you are not, that is not in your book. A new book. And I owe you out of coverage area. Well, but look at the judgment. He said, look, it says, and the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. Some of you are still not getting it, but gradually, yeah, but we are talking about, somebody is saying, pastor, it's prayer. Well, yeah, it's prayer. We are talking about prayer. Let's go to David. Psalm 139. Psalm 139. Give us Psalm 139. Let's pick it up from verse 16. Lord, help us. Lord, help us. Lord, help us. Lord, help us. No, because these ones will help us to know that, look, we don't have to fight with anybody, struggle with anybody. All we need to do is to pursue and find out from God what, what, 